Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. If you have ever used a compass, you may know the little secret that when you're using a compass, north is not always necessarily north. That the way in which a compass works is through the magnetic fields, and what a compass is going to do is going to point you to magnetic north, which may or may not be geographical north. So if you decide you want to take a trip to the North Pole and you set your compass straight north, you will more likely end up somewhere near Siberia as opposed to the North Pole. In order to be headed in the right direction, you have to first find the true north. I don't have a clue how you do that. That's why I hope I'm never stranded in the wilderness. But there is a way to find the true north as opposed to the magnetic north, and you must do that in order to head in the right direction. Throughout my life, for some reason, God has used Psalm 67 to help set me in a direction towards the true north. It has been the passage that God has used in my life more than any other to be a constant course correction to me. Because all of us, as Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, drift away, don't we? Left to ourselves without the constant help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to go in the wrong direction. And so it is throughout my life, finding myself in constant need of course correction. It is Psalm 67, so clearly clarifying the heart and the plan, the passions, the desire of God, that has been used in my life to say, no, Josh, we're going in this direction. Not only for me and for my family, but for the church as well. This is a significant moment for us. Not only are we beginning a new calendar year, we're beginning a new season of ministry. After 43 years of incredible faithfulness and a wonderful legacy of ministry, there is a new season of ministry. My desire this morning is not to set some grand vision for our church but instead of that, to set a very simple, clear direction for our church. The truth is, is I want to be headed in the right direction. I want my children headed in the right direction. I want my family headed in the right direction. I want this church headed in the right direction. And you know the way in which a church gets headed in the right direction? When members are headed in the right direction. We always talk about all the things we want to see the church do, and I wish our church would do this. The way the church becomes what it needs to become is when individual members become what they need to become. So this morning, from Psalm 67, I want to help set us toward a true north. I want to help us individually, in very practical ways, give you three ways in which you can ensure you're headed in the right direction. So look at Psalm 67 as I read it for us this morning. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This morning, in a desire to ensure that each one of us, not only at the beginning of a new year, but at the beginning of this new season, are headed in the right direction, 
Let me give you three ways to ensure that that's true about you and your life. The first one is this. If we want to be headed in the right direction, we must keep seeking God's face. I encourage you to write that down. Keep seeking God's face. Now, in communication, words are not the only thing that matter. You know as well as I do, tone matters as well. Husbands, you know I'm right. There is a difference in, honey, would you mind taking out the trash before you go to work in the morning? And, honey, uh, would you mind maybe taking out the trash before you go to work in the morning? Those are two totally different meanings. The same words, but different meanings. As a matter of fact, talking about direction, you can tell what direction the rest of the evening is going to go by which one of those statements you hear. The latter statement is expressing more than just the words. It's saying, honey, leave me alone tonight and just take out the trash in the morning. Tone always matters. And do you know in Scripture it's the exact same way? The words matter and the tone matters. I say, well, how is it possible for us to know the tone of Scripture when we don't have a verbal word, we have a written word? Well, God has written the word in such a way that through the words that are written, the context in which it's written, we can understand the tone of Scripture. I mean, did you notice all the exclamation marks in Psalm 67? They're over and over. At the end of verse 3, let the peoples praise you, let all the peoples praise you. You see one again at the end of verse 5. You see one again at the end of verse 7. And as you read Psalm 67 over and over and over again, you will begin to see that the tone is one of a passionate plea. It is a prayer of deepest desire. It is as most of the Psalms are, a cry of the heart. What the psalmist is expressing here is in the deepest desire, a longing for the experience of more of God. A desire to see God accomplish his purposes. A desire to see God pour out his blessing upon his people. This is a passionate plea. And so it is the Lord this morning is pleading with us. He is pleading in a passionate voice for us to hear what he is trying to say here. And the first thing he's saying is this. Seek God's face. I get that from verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. It is a prayer for grace and blessing. That God might show us his kindness, that God might show us his compassion, that God might demonstrate his patience and his forgiveness in our lives. But I think it's really summed up in the latter part of verse 1 where it says, make his face to shine upon us. The face of God is significant in Scripture. The Bible tells us that God turns his face away from evildoers. It tells us that our sins can hide his face from us. But here is a desire for the opposite, that God in his grace might turn his gaze toward his people. It's really an expression and a desire for the favor of the Lord. The New Living Translation translated this way, may his face smile with favor upon us. I mean, don't you want the smiling favor of God toward you? I mean, don't you want God's face turned towards you? I think about the times in which my children are trying to get my attention, and I have not realized that they've said, Dad, 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 five or six times. I've been distracted with something until all of a sudden I feel a little hand grab my chin and just turn it. 
as if to say, would you please look at me, because they don't know I'm hearing them unless I'm looking at them. They want my attention. You see, what the psalmist is saying here is, God, we want your attention. We want to know that you are looking at us, that you are with us, that you are for us. What a wonderful thing to have the confidence that the God of the universe, his gaze is turned towards his people, his ear is inclined to our prayer, and he is waiting for us to come to him with all of his blessing and grace and favor. Now let me tell you something. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, If you have been united with Christ, meaning you have trusted Jesus Christ alone as the payment for your sins, and you are following him by faith, then the reality is, is in Christ, all of God's favor and all of God's grace and all of God's blessing is already yours. Ephesians 1 says we are united with Christ, meaning the way in which God feels about his own son, Jesus Christ, is the exact way God feels about you. Ephesians 1 says he's lavished his grace upon us. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It tells us that all of his favor is with us because he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you realize it is impossible for you to have more grace and more blessing and more favor than you already have, not because you deserve it, but because Jesus deserved it, but God in his grace has chosen to treat you like his son. Psalm 67 is really pointing forward, particularly in the last verse when it says, God shall bless us. By faith, the psalmist is believing there will be a time in which we will be so united with Christ that all of the blessing of God belongs to us. Listen, if you are living with this sense that God is always disappointed in you, if you're living with this sense that God is frowning on you, that he is always displeased with you, that he is always a little disappointed in you, can I assure you that you are not hearing that from the Lord? That is a lie from the very pit of hell. The reality is in Christ, all of God's blessing is on you. So believe it and walk in it. But even even with that, there is still something here for us in that those who know Christ long for more of Christ. You know, the, the primary way you can tell whether someone really knows the Lord or not is if they have hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so it is a true believer is so thankful for all that they have received from the Lord, but the true believer has a longing in their heart for more of God. Do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel in your heart a desire for greater intimacy, a desire for greater knowledge, a desire for a greater experience in the Lord? And I think about it in the way in which David describes it in Psalm 27. When he says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Then he says this in Psalm 27, 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Even though all of the blessing has been given to us, we as the people of God are still longing for a greater experience of the Lord. What we're saying is, God, we want you. We want you manifested, we want you present, we want you working, we want you active, we want you stirring in the life and the heart of your people. 
This is what Prince Avenue needs is not a visionary leader. What it needs is not a great pulpiteer. What it needs is an outpouring of the presence of God. I am thrilled that you're excited I'm here. I am excited when we know that God is here. That's what our hearts long for. Psalm 67 is saying, listen, people, if you want to be headed in the right direction, keep seeking God's face. What I love about this passage is it's just this unashamed request for more. Listen to what A.W. Tozer says. He says, before we can be filled with the Spirit, the desire to be filled must be all-consuming. It must be, for the time, the biggest thing in life. So acute, so intrusive, as to crowd out everything else. The degree of fullness in any life accords perfectly with the intensity of desire. Listen to his last statement. We have as much of God as we actually want. We have as much of God as we actually want. There's really only one thing you need more of this year, and it is the one thing you are assured that you can have if you simply go after it. So what I want to say to you is that we want to be a church of people going hard after God. So this morning, get your sights set to true north, focused on Christ, and go hard after him. Keep seeking God's face. The second way we can know that we're headed in the right direction is not only to keep seeking God's face, but keep focused on God's mission. Write that down. Keep focused on God's mission. If you are inclined to mark in your Bibles, I would encourage you to circle the first word of verse 2, which is the word that. It may be the most significant word in Psalm 67. Because there's this plea for God's blessing and favor, a desire to seek more of him, and then the reason is stated in verse 2. God, we want more of you and your fullness and an outpouring of your presence on our church. Why? Because we want your name to be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Really, the cry of the heart flows out of a desire to see the fame of God spread to the ends of the earth. There is a deep desire from the psalmist to see people come to know Christ, but yet an awareness that the only way people are ever going to come to know Christ is to have the outflow of the life of believers who are seeking Christ. This is just the way that it works in the plan of God. But but look at the focus. Look with me. Verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. You judge the people. You guide the nations. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. God shall bless us that the ends of the earth may fear him. Listen, I I am so thankful, and if you follow just even what's going on in Christian books and conferences, there has been, in the last probably 20, 25 years, a real resurgence to understanding gospel-centeredness and God-centeredness. I'm thankful for this. I mean, it is true that from beginning to end, the scripture is pointing us to Christ. And we see the gospel in every single passage. I am thankful for a, a little bit of a course correction to help us to understand that the Bible is not primarily about us, it's about God. We need that. I have to be honest with you, I fear that in our desire for God-centeredness, we actually forget how focused on people God actually is. 
that it is true that everything is focused on the gospel, but the gospel is focused on good news for all people. If we are going to be God's people, we have to be people people. And what I love about Psalm 67, in this desire to see God, there is this equal desire and focus on seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. And the picture here is so beautiful. It's this picture of a group of people, and this is really God's vision for the church. A group of people who are seeking him, who are experiencing him, as a result, are filled with the joy of the Lord. They gather together, they worship with great joy. You notice all the joy in Psalm 67? And as they are filled with the joy of the Lord, it is the joy of the Lord that spreads from them to other people. It is exactly the vision we got in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, there's this vision of the Garden of Eden, and there's this river that is flowing into the Garden of Eden that is sustaining it. But did you notice that there are four rivers going out of the Garden of Eden to give us this picture that God is pouring his presence into his people, sustaining them, but his goal has always been that his presence would spread to the ends of the earth. And so it is that every time we gather together and every time you get up and spend time with the Lord, it is God's desire to fill you with himself that out of you might flow rivers of living water. I mean, in John 7, Jesus stands up at the day of the feast and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's a desire to seek God. And then he says, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. God wants to fill you with himself, not simply that you might enjoy him, but that others might come to enjoy him as well. As I'm praying through this text this week and I'm thinking about it for myself I just have to tell you, I, I want to be a person that refreshes others. Not because I have a big personality or not because I can be encouraging, but because I want to be so filled with God that every single person that spends 30 seconds with me feels refreshed because they met God. That's God's vision for your life. Husbands, that your wife would be refreshed. Wives, that your husband would be refreshed, that your children might be refreshed, that your neighbors might be refreshed. As you're receiving from the Lord, there's an outflow of your life that refreshes others and makes them long to come to Christ. So can I just say, as we get our sights focused on the true north, can we make a commitment to go hard after people this year? There is no reason at all that this place should not absolutely be filled by the end of this year. There's no reason. I mean, there is no reason why every seat in this place should be filled, not simply with people I've invited to church, but people you've invited to church. This is how it works. The way the church works is when every member works. So listen, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do the work of an evangelist, as I'm called to do. But as you begin to invite people, invest in people, encourage people, we can see this place packed out, not for the glory of anything else, but the glory of Jesus Christ. When this place is full and every voice is singing great gospel songs, you know who gets the glory? Christ gets the glory. As the great old hymn says, all is vain unless the Holy Spirit of the Lord comes down. So it is we want to set our sights on people. Can I just ask you this morning to picture in your mind someone that you'd love to see come to Christ this year? Do you have anybody you, you want to see come to Christ? I was thinking about this yesterday as I was walking and going over my message in my mind. I was thinking about two people I met this last week that I'd love to see come to Christ. Right here. Do you have anybody? 
Wouldn't it be great if in 2018, the face that you're picturing in your mind is the face that we see in that baptistry? Because they're given their public profession of faith and they go down in that water declaring that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And this place erupts in applause and gives a standing ovation because God has worked and saved. That's what we need to see every week. Invite people to church. Be focused on people. You've got to be engaged in God's mission. So we seek his face. We stay engaged in his mission. The last one is this. We must keep connected to God's people. The third one is this, keep connected to God's people. Keep seeking God's face, keep focused on God's mission, and keep connected to God's people. Did you notice that Psalm 67 is a corporate psalm? God, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us. Verse 7, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear his name. I don't feel... Any reason to not give personal application to this psalm? Because the way in which God does something through us is when he does something through us individually. So there's great personal application, but the truth is, is that this is a good reminder that God intends to do his work, not simply through individuals, but through a gathering of his people. That's always been his plan. His plan has always been to gather a group of people, to pour out his spirit upon them, and to use them to reach the nations. You see this all throughout scripture. You see it at the beginning of Acts when there's 120 in an upper room, and God did not say, all of you individually just go. He says, you wait as a group. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And from that moment on, God sends out his disciples to plant churches of people gathered together to accomplish his work. Do you know that there is a work that God wants to do in your heart that will never be done in your heart outside of what happens in the local church? It is absolutely possible, you know this, to be an active part of a church and not be walking with Jesus Christ. But I would say it's not possible to be walking with Jesus Christ and not be an active part of the church. Because that's just the way God works. He's just designed it that he's going to save you, put you in a church that is going to watch over you, encourage you, bless you, and that together you're going to use your gifts to accomplish his commission. We must stay connected to the church. Listen, I, I haven't been doing ministry, I guess, for that long, but long enough to counsel a lot of people who come to me and are concerned about their walk with Jesus, they'll just say, well, pastor, I don't know what happened. I'm just drifting from the Lord. I just, I'm not where I used to be, and I, I just have gotten way farther away than I've ever been. And whenever they come, I ask a series of the same questions. Is there any bitterness in your heart? Is there any hidden sin? But let me tell you the first question I ask every time. How's your involvement in church? Because the moment in which other activities begin to crowd out church is the moment that you get off of the true north and start headed in the wrong direction. Well, pastor, I don't know, buddy's sports sure are big these days. Pastor, we got that place down at the lake. And, well, pastor, I don't know, we just, had a, we just had a hard weekend. We're just really tired. I'm always tired on Sunday. Don't ever tell me you didn't come to church because you were tired or you needed a me day. Listen, I'm just telling you, the moment the church is no longer central to your life and the life of your family is the moment you're headed in the wrong direction. This is a corporate song in which the people of God together are saying, God, we want you with us. It flows out of an understanding of the fact that God wants to work through a gathered people. And here at the beginning of a new year and the beginning of a new season, I can't think of a better moment for you to make a fresh new commitment, not just to be here, but to be active and engaged. 
So if it's true that these three ways are really determining the direction of your life, the degree to which you're seeking the Lord, the degree to which you're engaged in the lives of lost people, and the degree to which you are engaged in the life of the church, if those are determining your direction, let me simply ask you this morning, what direction are you headed? Everyone in this room is headed in a direction. You're going somewhere. It may be the right way. It may be the wrong way. You're all going somewhere. Based upon those things, what direction are you headed? It's my prayer that God would use this morning and these moments of invitation to help us individually. Don't think about anybody else right now. Don't think about all the church needs to do. Think about your own life and what God is stirring in your heart. And if there is any way in which he is calling you to a course correction, this morning is the time. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. The pastors are going to be here in front. And I'm going to ask that if God is stirring in your heart, calling you to be more faithful in one of these areas, changing the course. Maybe you're not even on the course. You have never trusted Christ. Maybe you're not a member of a church. Maybe you haven't been baptized. I have no idea how God is stirring in your heart. What I know is this. If he's stirring right now is when you respond. Right now. You don't wait. You respond right now. So the reason we have an invitation is to give you a moment to do that. Come and get on your knees. There's a place built for you to get on your knees. These stairs are a place for you to get on your knees. Pastors are here to pray with you and over you immediately when we stand. If God is stirring in your heart, maybe you just long to see our church be all that it needs to be. Just come and let's take this moment to pray that we might be headed in the true north and accomplish the good things we all want to see happen. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With heads bowed and eyes closed, it is difficult for me to express the depth of my desire for you. I don't know many of you, but I assure you that God has given me love for you and a desire for us to not miss it, but to be everything God has called us to be. Listen, I don't want any of you to be a hindrance to the work of God. I want you to be a part of what God is doing. God's spirit is here this morning. He's speaking. He's ministering. The only thing that matters is that you respond to whatever it is he's saying to you. Confess a sin. Come and receive prayer. Give your life to Christ. Whatever it is. In a moment immediately when we stand, I'm going to ask as we sing together that we not only sing and express our love for Christ, but would you come and respond? Let's get on our knees this morning. Let's get humble before God. and Seek him that he might pour himself out on us. Father, we thank you for these moments together. We ask that you would come and manifest yourself in this place right now for your name and for your glory. Father, we have done our work. We ask that you would come and do yours. You would help us to respond to you by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our faith this morning. Feed as the invitation is being given. Pastors are here to greet you, a place for you to pray. Let's sing and respond to the Lord this morning. I stand amazed in the presence Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned let's sing it church
himself through Christ Jesus and given us all the blessing and all the grace and all the favor. It's yours. Amen. I pray that you'd walk in it this week. Hey, listen, Lord willing, next Sunday, I'm going to begin a series through the book of Philippians. We're just going to jump right in if that's okay. Uh, I'm excited. I believe that Philippians is a good book for us to be in right now. I've been thinking a lot about where God wants to take us and what he wants to do with us. And I think this is a good place for us to be. So we're going to camp out there for the next months. I don't know how long. And uh, we're just going to walk through it together. Uh, so be preparing your hearts. Listen, be inviting someone to church. Amen. Good days are ahead. I believe it by God's grace. I'm excited. Excited to be here. Thank you so much. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.